We're recording inside the Cohab Podcast Studio space under the Texas Street Bridge by the Red River in downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, and this is the 3180 Podcast. What is going on in the 318? What is our current identity? Shreveporters can make this place into the city we want it to be. It's time for Shreveport to make a 180. Every Thursday, we are having conversations about doing just that. We're talking to people who are making the difference in our city. I'm Josh Clayton. I'm Thomas Young. Welcome to the 3180 Podcast. Hardette Harris. Josh. <laughs> Welcome to the 3180 Thank Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. On this beautiful Monday afternoon. I'm so excited. Uh, um, I am so excited to have you here today. Likewise. I am I'm happy to be a customer of your restaurant, and I'm happy that you're at Cohab for a, for a, um, a Monday afternoon chat. What's been going on with you? Oh, work, cook, cook, work. <laughs> Cooking, work. Just some cook work? Chefing. Tell me, what, what are you adulting, chefing? What, adulting. What are you chefing? Um, like right before I got here, I'm yeah. looking for uh, peas, fresh peas. Somebody get them from a supplier. Uh, greens, a supplier for that. Uh, getting ready for the week. Trying to uh, see why my uh, I didn't have gro- ground beef available today. So, yep. you know, little things like that. Ground beef's important for Wednesday. Ground beef is important for the meatloaf that everybody's looking for. And uh, just getting ready for the week. It's exciting. It's trying to figure out which dessert am I going to do, or am I going to do both? I probably will have peach cobbler and banana pudding this week. And uh, just kind of roll with the punches. That's a common theme of every business owner. Yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of punches that you have to roll with. That's right. That's right. So and tell the tell, tell folks, like, where are you, where are you from? What, what brought you to Shreveport? What brought you back? Uh, give us give so, us a little hard debt history. Yeah, so hard debt is from Minden, and if in, the the list your listeners are from this area, they know where Minden is, mm-hmm. thirty minutes um, east of here. And uh, nineteen eighty five, uh, about thirty eight seconds after high school, I left, went to Houston, uh, playing a grown up, and uh, did a, quite a few things. Worked at the police department, worked at the Summit Entertainment Arena. Um, a bank and then finally decided to go to culinary school I wanted to cook I didn't know what I wanted to do right after high school so um, as much as I love to cook I said that's what I should be making money doing because I love it and won't be like work but I knew I didn't want a restaurant I didn't want to cater I didn't want a bakery I wanted to do home style cooking I wanted to do one-on-one just like going into someone's kitchen and but up as a professional how did you know that that was a thing? Uh, I mean, you were young. You were definitely in your teens, 20s. Exactly. And I was not in my teens and 20s. Um, by the time I decided to go to culinary school, I was 29, I believe. Okay. 30, 31, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know there was. I knew that celebrities and people like that had their own chef. How I would get to that, I didn't know. I didn't know the logistics. I didn't study it. I didn't know anything. But when even when I went to culinary school, I didn't know how that looked. But when I got there, my I, you know introduced myself that first day and said, I'm here because I want to be a private chef. And um, someone said that Shaquille O'Neal had his own chef, and that chef made uh, X amount of thousands of dollars a month. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. To fix his one plate for him. At that time, he wasn't married. So that's what I wanted to do. And so um, went to culinary school, got my first client before I graduated. And fast forward, I did that for a few years. Um, 
one of my clients was an Enron director. That was exciting as it sounds. And um, then I moved to San Antonio, client moved me there. And then 2009, 2009, I moved to San Antonio, 2013, moved back here okay. to be closer to my parents. They were aging and I was the single childless one that volunteered to do that. And uh, I really didn't know what I was gonna do. I really wasn't planning on doing personal chefing. I just really didn't know what the market was because I hadn't lived here in many years. And um, so I kind of fell into the North Louisiana celebration thing. I knew that over the years I'd come here and noticed that um, South Louisiana cuisine had taken over. We weren't celebrating our food. We weren't putting it out front. We were Cajun Creole everything. Not that that isn't a good thing. It's just that we aren't French. That's just not what our culture is here. We um, So I wanted to have dinners that celebrated North Louisiana cuisine, and that's kind of how that whole North Louisiana thing started. So where did you go to culinary school? Down in Houston? In Houston at the Art Institute of Houston. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and that was a... How many years program is that? that? They didn't. They only offered a two-year program at the okay. time. They offer four years now, and, and it's French classical training. And uh, so I learned everything from, you name it, 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 French classical training, everything. Five mother sauces and um, just everything. And so uh, right after graduation, my first client was a Jewish family, and so they hadn't had salt or sugar in 25 years because they also were uh, the family that founded Gulf Coast Weight Watchers. So all my French classical training went out of the window. <laughs> all those butter sauces and um, red blancs and all that uh, it got into healthy cooking. So that's kind of what I did um, through my, throughout my you know, private chefing years. Because if you can afford to have your own, chef, your own chef, mm-hmm. you're gonna say, I wanna eat healthy. That's the first thing you wanna mm-hmm. do is try to eat better. So that's what a lot of- How, how long does the eating healthy last? Uh, because I'm doing it for them, they are eating it, but I'm not there 24 hours. So if, you know, they come in, one time a client said, her dad, you know, my blood pressure's been high. I'm telling you, don't put any salt in the food. Um, it's those Cheetos that I saw in the pantry <laughs> and those Cape Cod chips. That's not my cooking. So, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a little cheating. But for the most part, it did help. You know, one client had um, high cholesterol. And I, with my help, he brought it down because so he started. I started juicing for him, and you know, so it has its advantages. Things that you won't do for yourself, you know, you have a chef, you can do that. You like that work, didn't you? Can you tell? Yeah, <laughs> I love that work. It's, it was just as exciting as it sounds because not because of the whole private chef type thing. It's because you can be as creative as you want to be, as they'll allow you. Because once you go in, over a few weeks and months, you get to know them. You get to know what they like, just like a family member. And, um, you know, we hadn't had spaghetti in a while. We haven't had cob salad in a while. You don't have to ask them. They know, hey, yeah, this is good. You know, yeah, I had a taste for this. So it's a, it's a satisfying job that you can get, you know, immediate, you know, feedback from. Did you like San Antonio better or Houston better? I loved them both. I was only in San Antonio four years. So I was in Houston from age 17 to whatever age that was in 2009. So I pretty much grew up in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. I left here right out of high school. I mean, left you know, here and went there right out of high school. So I really miss Houston because it's kind of that place where I grew up. Even though I grew up in Minden, too, mm-hmm. um, I, my formative adult young years were in Houston. So I do miss that. And, and I, I liked it a lot. 
Well, what what did you miss about Minden when you moved down to down to Texas? Did you find anything in Houston? I mean, obviously, it's a huge city with all sorts of different cultural influences now, but. Uh-huh. Did you miss anything from home when you went down there? I did. Uh, I just had to get used to, and I'm really used to it now, probably too much, used to people just being one man for himself, you know. Uh, It it was a lot of cultures, but in a way that was inviting because I hadn't been around that many, you know, mix of people. Mm -hmm. So just in Minden, it was just, you know, a small town of, you know, everybody knew everybody. But to be able to experience almost everything, especially food and cultures and, you know, like we didn't have a lot of Spanish food, Mexican food in Minden when I grew up. And um, to go there and eat authentic, you know, Mexican food was just everything to me you know even just have margaritas made with fresh lime juice not that i had margaritas in minden but um you know it was just everything so and but i did miss you know the fresh fruits and vegetables that came right out of the garden you know neighbors would have gardens and bring a basket of you know fruit and vegetables to our parents you know and we would have fresh vegetables all the time or and my dad had a garden Mm -hmm. so that kind of thing i missed you know and um so I did a lot of cooking at home, though, during those years because I would cook the things that I missed. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Did you, uh, so I, I've been to us up north, and were you able to cook that sort of thing for your for your clients in Houston, your clients in San Antonio? Um, not really. Now, the, the not that way. So I remember when we had the, um, remember the spinach scare and everything, the E. coli yeah. and all that back then? And so we stopped, because I used a lot of spinach with my clients, and so I just kind of substituted it for uh, mustard and turnip greens. And But I made it really healthy. Of course, I didn't use any any fat or any smoked meats or ham hocks. And they loved it, you know. I remember them saying, what kind of, what is that? You know, because the, they were able to taste that fresh flavor of a different green. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there wasn't any, like I did fried chicken, but it was, um, you know, kind of pan fried, not a lot of deep frying. So not a lot of Southern food, it's, you know, made, cooked differently. Mm-hmm. It was cooked differently. Mm-hmm. So you come back here in 2013, mm-hmm. and you and you went back to Menden. I Is did. That, right back to Mom and Dad's, to the pink room with the twin bed and the Prince, <laughs> po- the prince poster on the wall. <laughs> I hope the Prince poster's still on the wall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what... Uh, What'd you do then? You, you, you opened us up north uh, this year in 2019. Yeah. So what's occupied your time between 13 and 19? Yeah, so as soon as I got back, uh, so back in San Antonio was um, early Facebook years. And um, I remember being friended by someone. And you know how when somebody sends you a friend request and you don't really know who they are, you just kind of let them linger and you stalk them a little bit. And so I did that and uh, it was a, it was a young man by the name of Adrian Miller, and he was friending African-American chefs all over the country because he was writing a book called Soul Food, researching a book for, you know, the history of soul food. And um, so he would he would post to say, I'm going to be here, or wherever. And um, he said, I'm going to be in, in San, I'm going to be in Houston. And uh, where should I eat? You would ask everybody, you know, where are you going to eat? And I said, well, if you, you know, I'm jumping this long, mile long thread. And I'm like, if you come to San Antonio, you should have my curry chicken over purple whole peas and rice. And so, of course, these clicks, okay, you know. So then a couple of days later, he says, I'm coming. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm just kind of kidding. I don't have anywhere for you to come, you know, I'm just getting in the conversation. So he comes, I cook him the food, he interviews me for the book. 
Uh, fast forward, I moved back home. By that time, it's published, mm-hmm. like that same time when I get back. And so I asked him if he's going to do a tour, and he says, you know, not really, but I'll do a presentation if you sell the books. So I set up this dinner. That's all I knew when I moved back, that I wanted to have a dinner that celebrated North Louisiana cuisine. Didn't know what that looked like. I was just going to announce it, sell tickets, and hope people would come, and I would talk about my frustration and, you know, show people the food we had. So it was perfect timing for him. He came, he did the presentation, he sold some books, and uh, five months later, he wins the James Beard Award for the book, which is like, oh my God, my purple whole pea recipe is in the, in the James. You know, I'm not even thinking that that deep at that time. So that kind of jump started what I was gonna do with that dinner. It it he and I were on a did an NPR um, interview, and I'm like, people are interested in this. You know, I'm I'm really surprised. That was just my first introduction, uh, introducing it to everybody. And Representative Gene Reynolds was there, and he was really, really glad that I was doing that. He said he had people in town that wanted our North Louisiana food, and he didn't have anywhere to show it off. And so um, I said, well, you know what, I'm going to have these dinners. But I started researching uh, the food to serve. What is it that we're proud of in this area? What is it that we're showing off? I found nothing. There's nothing out there that we show off. We show off South Louisiana food. Everything's Cajun, Creole, whatever. Why is that? I think it's because our food is fresh vegetables. We're eating it. It's farming vegetables that can't be attached to something flashy and exciting. Mm -hmm. So it gets lumped into the country, southern soul food basket which really is hard to identify what that is okay and how, so how is it how is our north louisiana food different from just what we'd call southern food you know soul food this i mean like country i call it right. country folks food like how is north louisiana a little bit different than, it, it, i don't think it's actually that different i think we have an intersection a mix of african indian german and some of that cajun creole that's in in our state but I think that we do it so well, and I think we just have to identify, because it's what we're eating. We're at the, at the farmer's markets buying these, these vegetables. We have gardens in our, in our backyard, and we're eating this fresh food. And I think we just have to own that. Mm-hmm. What is the name of it? What does it look like? Um, there's nothing out there, you know, that's, no one's researched that either. And that kind of fell in my lap when I got the book deal with History Press to write the culinary history of North Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And as I started looking and researching, there is nothing. And it is kind of clumped into that North, that soul food, country, southern food basket. But basically, that's what it is. And so I think with the creation of the official meal of North Louisiana that I wrote, that kind of gave us... Um, some structure to our food to kind of just put our signature on this is what we eat here. And since its creation in 2015, everybody that from, you know, everywhere, social media, people that um, write me or, you know, talk to me, they're saying, this is it. This is exactly what we eat. You know, they may live in Australia and this is, I used to visit there in, in the summer and this is exactly what we ate in that area. So there's, there's, we have our own food. But we've just got to be proud of it. It's because it's just like red beans and rice. You can cook red beans and rice in any state. It's just beans and rice, right? 
But as soon as you say that, your mind goes directly to South Louisiana mm-hmm. because they own their food. They're proud of it and they serve it everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing about, say, for instance, hot water cornbread and greens. If we're proud of it, we put it out every time we have an event, we can own it. You know, we can't say it, no one else can do it, but it's, you know, just like red beans and rice, everybody can serve it, but we can do it really good. Yeah. You know, so. I think they, they also, too, they have. South Louisiana generally has a lot of tourism, so people come, they eat something because they ask, you know, you come and you say, hey, what's the thing? And and they, oh, well, this is all Cajun, this is all French, this is, and then you you eat that, and then they go away and say, like, oh, that's that kind of food. Like, you don't go, you know, to a meat and three and be like, what's the, you, there's the meat and three, and you choose it, and then, and that's very, like what you're saying, like, it's very, um, country that's like you used right. to you would go to work you would go to lunch somebody would prepare food for you that's right hearty food right and and it's not necessarily you know there's not people coming from generally other places to look at your farm exactly there's there's people coming to new orleans to to and it's a big tourism mm-hmm. you know they collect a lot of uh tourists there that's a huge market for them so i think when you when you end up with because if you if you do a meet and three in in New Orleans, then they'll they'll flash it up with some kind of right. oh this is red beans and rice this right. is this is we just do this it's like no every, everybody all the but way they own it, yeah. yeah and they and they say this is our thing that's right yeah that's right that's exactly right and so I think that's where um, I think a lot of work has to be done to, to for us to own our food I don't think yeah. it's going to happen overnight I mean. Are we not proud of it because no one ever told us to be proud of it? Are we not proud of it because it's just what it's just normal everyday thing? It's not exotic. I think it's I think it's both. It's 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 equally both because it's beans and rice. That's not exotic. Not at all. It, not at all. It's not a all. package of red beans and rice. Mm-hmm. You can eat that in Canada. You can eat that in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But they own it. It's it. They haven't put any paperwork to it, mm-hmm. but they own it because they serve it all the time. Right. And I think that's just what it is. And I think with us, no one ever told us to be proud of our food. And I think that's why what I've the work that I've done has become, has gotten so much attention is because it has never occurred to anybody for us to own our food, and. I could see if we weren't eating the food. I could see if we were up here eating gumbo every day and we didn't eat the fresh vegetables and we didn't prepare them the old fashioned way and no one knew what I was talking about. Everyone says, yes, this is exactly what we ate. This is what my grandmother ate. This is what I ate when I went to the country when, you know, this is what we grew up on. So we're eating the food. It's not a new introduction. It's just that we haven't we don't no one's told us to be proud. Yeah. And if our tourism and the people that show us off don't include that, mm-hmm. then of course we're not going to do it. And so here I am, lone chef Hardet, you know, this just, you know, making hot water cornbread and greens and whatever else she does. You know, it's it's just like, yeah, thank God somebody's, you know, talking about this. So I think that's how I ended up getting so much attention for it because it's so unique. It's not that, you know, it's just the first, you know, bowl of greens and cornbread. It's just that attempt attaching some pride to it that's what it is well and i think a lot of in in new orleans and i've seen this uh a couple places in shreveport uh, i don't i don't know if this is on any menus right now 
definitely in towns like Charleston, mm -hmm. they take some of this cuisine, whether it's grits or collards or uh, cornbread or hot water cornbread, or even you know even peas and you know um, purple holes in it. But they'll they do them right. They serve them with a fancy piece of meat or something on the side, and they charge a lot for them. Right. And they, but I, I will say that they're better than a lot of diners you might go to when they do them that way. Mm -hmm. Tastes like how my mom cooks. Mm -hmm. It's really well done, and mm -hmm. it tastes like us up north. It's, right. it's there's there's diner greens, and then there's the greens that I get at my mom's house. Right. There's right. there's cornbread, and then there's good cornbread. Right. And so. I don't like this idea of like cultural appropriation that suppose you know no these are fancy restaurants t trying to make a lot of money right. on right but and, and, and keep the place open you know you gotta right. charge for it yeah but but you know now it's the cool thing to have to have like greens you know you know you know what I mean like exactly I, I, I've gone to Charleston and spent too much money on greens before. exactly yeah. but they're better than what I've gotten at diners right. locally right but, and, yeah. but how are you cooking them to make them done the right way how are you doing them to, to where they taste like they tasted us up north are you asking me my uh, secret recipe I'm, I think you no, just I'm did just saying, maybe maybe I say can, when you have greens that don't taste like yours what are they what did they leave out yeah I can explain that so first of all greens is it, to prepare them the authentic way is labor intensive mm -hmm. so when you get diner greens or even some halfway nice restaurants they don't serve you, they serve you frozen chopped greens or greens from a can that they've somewhat doctored up. Um, because the way I do them, it's a lot of work and it, it's costly to put the right smoked meats in it mm -hmm. and everything that goes with it. And so what you get is that flavor that makes people come up to my window or stop me somewhere and say, I, got a, I just got a video the other day, I think it was... Friday or one day the lady started eating and she came back to the kitchen and my cashier said this lady wants to tell you something and she said my mother died in 2012 and I have been looking for food that tastes just like hers I get that all the time and this is the first time I caught it on video but what I'm what I've learned to do is cook the food the way I like it and because I have that taste still in my head growing up and you know I'm a cook you know I know how to cook I know how to produce that and so is it does it cost more yes it costs more you have to have you have to pick greens it you have to pay people to do it you gotta wash them you gotta wash them a number <laughs> of times you gotta pay people to wash them a number of times but the, the putting the meat in there and the right amount of meat mm -hmm. is the key to making it people it bring tears to people's eyes or it's just a side dish. And that's the difference. Sometimes in these diners you're talking about, they have them on the menu because they, they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And they want them to taste good, but they're not really that concerned. Like, my greens have to taste right every time. Mm -hmm. And so that is, it's all that mixed in. So that's that's pretty much the difference. Is it just a menu item or is it there's some, some type of passion to it? And yeah, it's care and attention to the preparation of the That's food right. comes through in, in the finished product. And I care about how you receive it. I truly care what that feeling is when you eat it. And so that's why I spend so much time on it. Now I'm sure um, the bottom line probably needs to make more, yeah. more attention to it, but I still care about how that those greens taste when you crumble your cornbread up in it. Mm -hmm. I, I care about how the pot liquor tastes. Yeah. I care about all of that. So that's really the difference. 
Do you think that's from classical training or that's from growing up in a, in a household with it where all that mattered to your mom or all that mattered to your grandma? And really to all of that, but really to me, because I, I knew when I was growing up, I knew that I was eating very, very good food. I remember <laughs> that. My friends, if I didn't know that, my friends would tell me. I mean, they were coming to my house all the really? time. Really? Yes. I knew yes. that when I would have, my grandmother would make hot water cornbread, and back then they would make it really, really big, like like a big, huge plank, like yeah. the size of your hand. And I remember crumbling that up in a bowl with just the right amount of broth and onions. And I remember that being some of the best tasting food. I just mm. remember that. And so it stuck with me and, and I'm able to recreate that because it's the food that I like. Mm -hmm. So when you come to us up North Kitchen, the food that you're tasting is food that I like. It's cooked the way that I like it on my plate. And sometimes, you know, I'm not, I'm not a bragger on my food, but at the end of the I'll day... I'll brag on your food. <laughs> thank you. At the end of the day, when I eat for myself, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I was stressed out all day wondering if this came out right. I'm like, gosh, this is good, you know? Yeah. So it it it's getting, it's, it's, I'm succeeding at it. Well, it's pride in your work. I mean, yeah. I think Thomas and I are always trying to find people in town, not just for this podcast, but just to see what's working in Shreveport. Mm -hmm. And we, we do notice that the people that have a lot of pride in, in their business operation, whether it's a restaurant or, mm -hmm. um, you know, a shipping facility. I mean, if they're there every day and they take a lot of pride yeah. in the work, it shows. And I think that's, um, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with the successful businesses in, in what we consider to be a fairly small town. Mm -hmm. right. We're not a huge city right. and the, in, in a small town. You better be there behind the counter and people want to see you. Yeah. But I think also being there, uh, the, the work, the work for, speaks for itself when you have pride in the work. Right. And, and I think that that private chef part comes out too, because, Oh yeah. You can't hide, you can't hide in the kitchen when you're, when your yeah. customers are in their dining, in exactly. the dining room eating your food. Yeah. Right. And, and being a private chef and having one client that I cook for full time or a family of two or three or four, I'm cooking just those plates full time for those people. Mm -hmm. So I care about that. And so if I had a client that I cooked one plate for, I feel the same way about my 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 people that come in every day as I did that one plate. Yeah. And so I'm trying to translate the love and care that I put into one plate of food into those. And so when people say, this is great, this tastes just, I took one bite and it tastes just like my mom's, I've succeeded. Yeah. Now that other business running part, you know, I'm, I got that to, to tend to too, but I really want the food to taste yeah. good. Well, what does what does food mean to a culture in, in your mind? You and I had a little conversation about this yeah. at us up north a, a while back, and I talked about moving back here in 09. I mean, I, I love South Louisiana. I spent uh, almost 10 years of my life there. Really love it. But um, I don't think Louisiana, you know, I don't think North Louisiana is South Louisiana. And I, I attended a presentation that Jay Darden gave, and he wasn't insulting at all. He, this is just his analysis mm -hmm. of the state. It's a three-hour presentation, and it's fantastic. But he draws a line at about Alexandria, mm -hmm. and he says everything north of this line is the three Ps. And it's uh, uh, Protestants, pine trees, and poor people. <laughs> and, I mean, that traditionally, this we did not get the Acadian influx we didn't get the creole culture we you know we were a completely different culture than south louisiana and the cajun culture and the creole culture are completely different yes. uh, most people will be hard pressed to even delineate the difference between the cuisines okay. but 
I mean, it's e- it's an easy distinction if you know your history, mm-hmm. but if you don't, you know, oh yeah, South Louisiana, Cajun, it's delicious. But up here, we have a completely different migration pattern. Yes, we do. They came exactly east to west right. into Texas. Okay. It, you know, we didn't come from, you know, the Caribbean. Um, so the, your perfect North Louisiana plate, I, I think speaks to our identity up here. And, and you and I talked about moving back here. You came back in 13, I came back in 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was cool to have fleur-de-lis everywhere. It was cool to be, um, you know, people up here had never been to an LSU game. We're all big Tiger fans. And then there were some, you know, tell me what your observations were in 2013 when you came back and saw all that. The same. And, you know, I kind of am cautious to speak on this because what do I know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do I know? I walked into a room that was already existing that confused me. I know I grew up here. I know I left after 17 years of being on this earth, which is not a long time. But I still knew that this was not French country. I knew that this was not Cajun or Creole or any type of influence like that. Not to say that there aren't people, you know, people say, well, there's this, this, there's that. I know that there are people here that can cook that. I know that there are people here from South Louisiana that have made this their home. But culturally, traditionally, this is not that. This is, this is Indian. This is African. This is German mixture. And it doesn't have a lot of French influence. Mm -hmm. So farming coming out of Georgia East Texas, that whole trek from the low country, like we eat exactly like the low country, like mm-hmm. Gullah Geechee, mm-hmm. just exactly, you know, except for if you pull out the fact that they're on the water, you pretty much get the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of chef con- uh, friends and connects that live there and I see their food, I've tasted their food, they cook the exact same way. So I know where that came from. I know that my ancestors and their ancestors were relatives. I have some a really good friend that uh, does a whole hot barbecue from Manning, South Carolina. Come to find out, I've traced my family history to a plantation that's 20 minutes from there. And it's like, we, we talk about the same exact thing. You know, some of the pota- sweet potatoes that his family farms are the exact same sweet potatoes I remember eating growing up. And I don't see those anymore, but they brought some and they're still growing that same small yellow flesh sweet potato. And so things like red rice, I remember my mom cooking that. And I'm like, I know my mama doesn't know anything about Spanish rice. Why did she cook red rice when we were growing up? Where did that come from? And so I asked her recently, I said, were you making Spanish rice or is that some recipe you had from your family? And she said, no, that was a, a recipe mother and daddy had from the diner because her dad owned a diner here in Shreveport. And I said, I knew it because I traced some of her family back to the low country, the Gullah Geechee. So I know that that's that influence we have here. Not a lot of Caribbean. Yes, there's some of it, you know, maybe that kind of, you know, you know, melting in, but I think we're just really a mixture of African Indian, Native American Indian, and uh, some German, because, you know, Minden is a German town mm-hmm. settlement. Mm-hmm. So some of those hearty dishes are all mixed in there. Yeah. So um, I think we just, and we eat just alike, you know, with the official meal and a lot of the food that I cook, it crosses all social, economic, racial lines. 
we all eat the same way here. We, you know, when we have, I make pepper sauce. Everybody here knows what pepper sauce is. It's canned peppers with vinegar, and you pour it on your greens and your peas and you eat it. Everybody knows how to use that when they see it. And so uh, we food brings us together. We eat all the same. And so I think that's the thing about what I'm doing now because I try to keep it as authentic as possible. I don't want to garnish it with any edible flowers. I don't want to make it look any kind type of beautiful, fancy way. What I want it to look like and feel like when you come to us up north is like when you came, you came to my kitchen, you went to your grandmother's kitchen in the country when you were growing up. You went in and you got a plate out of the, the, the cabinet and you scooped out of the pots and you ate whatever she cooked and put it on your plate. Yeah, there was no ate. menu at my mama's house. There's no menu. <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't ask why she having that and not that. Uh -huh. And it was all good. You, you loved it. And so I want to bring that feeling back because I think, first of all, we need to create love for what we do before we try to figure anything else out. We need to create love for our food and, and realize and figure out what is that? What is our food? And this is our food. And I'm not saying the way I cook it is the, the real only way. Because I'm glad to see a lot of restaurants even cooking purple whole peas mm -hmm. or even cooking mustard greens in their, you know, realness, you know. Um, but at least they're cooking it and at least they're being proud of it. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a lot of new restaurants that are coming that are trying to do that. It doesn't have to be the old country way. I'm not saying, but I, I see that it's working. I see that it's working. Well, that's great. Um, so you've had us up north open since August mm -hmm. and we're recording this here in October. So what have you seen uh, come through your restaurant? Do you see, uh, you're, you're in Allendale. Mm -hmm. So what, do you, what have you seen Shreveport doing in the last few, I mean, you've been here since 13, even though you're mainly living in Minden, mm -hmm. but I'm assuming you're coming over to Shreveport a good bit. Mm -hmm. So what positive things have you seen in Shreveport that give you hope for making the make, making Shreveport make the turnaround? Well, I, live, I do live in Shreveport now, and I, I lived in Minden only a short time after I got here and moved okay. over because I saw that this is where I was going to have to make this food thing work. And um, this is really a foodie town. And a lot of people, whether we know it or not, you know, Louisiana, I don't care where you travel or, or across the world, you can go anywhere to any non-English speaking place and, and they can understand that you said you came from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. They translate that to food. They know automatically, oh, good food. Mm -hmm. And so we're known for that. And we're known from that from the top to the bottom. It's just that they don't know we're not eating the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what I've found is that people are in search of good food in this city. Mm -hmm. In the city, the people that live here and the people that visit. They want to see, you know, the Bass Pro tournaments. They want to, you know, do all that other wonderful stuff. We have the Rose Garden and the museums. But they want to eat. In every little minute they have available, they want to eat. Yeah. They want to eat good breakfast. They want to eat country, authentic Southern food. And I think uh, over time they've been let down. Mm-hmm. From from what I've heard and what I've read, mm -hmm. they've been let down because we're trying to be something that we're not. Now, can I fault us for that? Because do we even know what we are, we're supposed to be doing? I think we were trying to be whatever, anything that we thought somebody wanted to eat. So now I think it, we can figure out what it is that people are coming here for. Just like Representative Gene Reynolds told me that day. He said, I had some people visiting and they wanted our food 
and he had no place to take them. Now, there are plenty of restaurants, but what do you mean by our food? So now that we can identify that and be proud of it and know that that doesn't just mean another soul food restaurant. Because that's what I say about us up north, is I'm not opening just another soul food restaurant because I don't have oxtails and the whole run end of the meal spread that uh, and, and you don't really have a menu either and you don't right, want a menu right. I really don't and I, I yeah. had one opening day and I have had it out and I kind of stick to it but I really want to cook what's available what's fresh what I think is good what's going to go well that day mm-hmm. and so uh, people can just experience fresh vegetables with those good you know southern sides and cornbread instead of french bread or you know rolls you know you can get rolls all the time but cornbread with these dishes it's just what we eat here Mm -hmm. and so what I've seen are people really really enjoying that they're just so happy they come in and say this is really good southern soul Mm -hmm. food and I can tell they feel it in their soul it wasn't just a good meal it was a good comforting meal Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I'm writing the definition of what comfort food is I'm not saying I'm writing the definition of what soul food is I'm saying that I think those two things come from the cook whether it's um, a home cook, which I'm a champion, a cheerleader for home cooks. I think they're the basis of everything that we eat. And, but um, when you eat food from someone's home, whether it's your coworker that brought you something they made, it's a difference. It's, if they brought you some tacos they made, it's different than buying tacos somewhere else. It is. Because you, you know what I'm saying? You know that this is something they made special and they had some type of feeling in it when they made it. So I, I think that's the difference. I had the opportunity yesterday to go to brunch um, at uh, the home of Turkish immigrants. Oh. And they had a traditional Turkish brunch. And the you know, the lady of the house cooked. So you know what I mean. It was, a, there weren't any eggs and bacon on the plate. <laughs> but wow, was it one of the most enjoyable brunches I've been to. And I've been to a lot of the fancy brunches around Shreveport. Uh-huh. And I've gotten to eat brunch at fancy restaurants. and. Uh-huh in New Orleans and elsewhere, but that was by far the most enjoyable brunch I'd ever been to. Yeah, and it yeah. was food that, you know, a lot of recipes I'd never tried. But that that's exactly what you mean. When you go into someone's home yeah. and someone spent hours preparing something that, that, that's close to their heart. And for you. They're yeah, preparing they, it for you. She wanted to show us what this particular walnut-type spread was. Mm-hmm. I mean, knock you out of the park. Just amazing. That's right. Um, uh, you know, I could go on and on, but she made a, a homemade tabula, tabbouleh. Oh. And it, what, what she told us about Turkish cuisine was they have less parsley and more bulgur wheat. The, the ratio is a little bit different. I was told that. I used to make tabbouleh all the time for uh-huh. my clients. And early on, they said it, it needs to be more parsley. Right. And, and I think that depends on whether you're Lebanese or Turkish or, you know, mm-hmm. depends on where you're from. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But she said in, in her family's tradition, it was uh, predominantly bulgur wheat, not, you know, oh, the, the, or the ratio the ratio of parsley to wheat was, was less than what you'd get at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But you're getting a history lesson along in her home, home, along with you know great conversation, and and I I, I really enjoy eating at other people's houses too. It kind of brings it back. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. When I do these these dinners out at Mahaffey Farm with Evan McCommon, um, called Seasons and Traditions, Mm -hmm. and so what we do, we do um, whatever's in season, whatever he has on the farm, and we make a dinner out of it. And a lot of the people come up and say, we come to a lot of the long table uh, dinners, you know that people have around here. He said, this is our favorite. And I don't think it's because my food's any better than the other chefs. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that. I think they get that homely feel of that, that 
food from the land, mm -hmm. that someone's cooking the authentic food for them mm -hmm. for that event. And it's and it's not just another restaurant setting. Mm -hmm. And not that that's any better. And I want that to be translated as what I'm saying. It's just a difference. Right. And I think what they're feeling is the difference. They're getting closer to what our food is. Mm -hmm. It's just like going to New Orleans. If you go to, say, like you said, a Turkish restaurant or whatever, I'm sure they have everything. But if you cross the street and go to a traditional Louisiana, South Louisiana restaurant, you know you're getting what they eat there. Mm -hmm. And that's just a different experience. So um, I think we really need that here. And yeah. I think we need it mostly for our tourists. Because when they come here, they're first of all looking for food. And then they want to know what is it that the people here eat at home? Can we get that somewhere? Yeah. And so I think that's what I'm trying. I know that's what I'm trying to do. And I hope that other restaurants can at least have a few items on the menu that, um, you know, that, that we call ours. I think they're used to, I don't know if it's still there, but in the airport, they used to have a platter of um, crawfish mm -hmm. on the wall, a big picture. When you, you remember that coming out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, you're laughing. See, no, it just, we, didn't, we, it didn't sound wrong. No, doesn't we, it? we try to sell this Louisiana brand and you and I talked about the fact that we're, I love to say Louisiana, but Shreveport is not the same as Lafayette. It's just not. Yeah. And um, we need to sell what we've got. We need to be really proud of what we've got. And we got it. Yeah. We got yeah. it. We have it. Yeah. We, we have everything and more. I think we're getting there. You know, we can't really, I can't, you know, criticize them for, you just, You can't criticize for what you don't know and what you have Yeah, done. yeah. Can only but, move I, and I think that to some degree that the, the identity of, a, of Shreveport, like whatever the identity is, is kind of, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, it's kind of starting to form. And there's a, right. and, and you, it, it comes from music, it comes from food, yes. and it comes from a, an understanding of the people in an area that this is where we want to eat. This is this is how we want to live. This is how we want to socialize. Mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of socialization, of course, is done around food. Right. So do we want to do that around, you know, what, but, but you've seen places like Key Mexico mm -hmm. kind of add to our culture. I mean, that right. you know, we're not a Day of the Dead culture here in Shreveport, but now we are. Right, you right. Know? I mean, we have so much here. Another thing we have, we have the river. We do have the river. We and don't we utilize don't, that river. Okay, you took we the word right out of my it. mouth. We don't utilize it. We have freshwater fish here. Yeah. And I hope, you know, maybe that's something else I can do is I hope we can, you know, some of these, the fish, we, you can't sell it. Like fresh, I mean, uh, white perch. Mm -hmm. That's one of our favorites here in, in, mm -hmm. in North yeah. Louisiana. Everybody loves whole white perch. But you, we can't sell it, and I don't, you know, I don't really know all. I mean, I guess I don't know. It's just a, it's a game fish. I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn, but we should be able to utilize and sell. You know. So if somebody eat. brings you a stringer full of perch, you're not allowed to cook it up at your restaurant. I'm not allowed. Well, I mean, you to can sell cook it. it. Yeah, you're not allowed to sell it. But yes. Yeah. Okay. If they bring me a string of white perch, anybody that knows me knows that's <laughs> going straight to my house. <laughs> I don't care. I have to buy another deep freezer that night. I so love white perch. How do you like to cook them? Whole. You cook them whole. I, I know how to clean my own fish. Yeah. And I cook them whole. Yeah. And not deep fried. You don't. Just I gotta have a you know a cast iron skillet with a, a little oil. And yeah. Just the old way. Yeah. 
It's, it's just no, there's nothing better than a whole white person. Yeah. Nothing. Maybe a cob salad or something or some purple whole peas. A cob salad. I know. I know what. Uh, I'll from. take the perch over. I was the talking salad. about a cob salad today. How good it was, but you know. They're good, just, but they're not. They're not whole white perch. But they're not. There's nothing like a whole white perch. There's nothing like. I mean, I cook catfish and it's my cat fat my uh, fried catfish Fridays. That's on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah, they're really popular, but um, people love fried catfish in Shreveport. People love fried catfish. It's ours. It that, is that's ours. One of, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, is a we, reason. We're we usually don't we don't get together for crawfish. Well, we do now, but you know, our get together is or catfish fries more than in fish fries. Yeah. And um, yeah. like, yeah, I, after after a good dove hunt, we you know we're cooking doves. We're not we're not always boiling crawfish and you know making etouffees and sauces and. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. You know. That's exactly right. We're, we're cooking the stuff we have. Yeah. You know, down south, when they're out doing whatever they do on the swamps, I've seen some of those shows. They bring the gators in, they process them, chop them, and they eat them. Yeah, they go they go crabbing, they get a bunch of crabs, and they drop in the boil, and they, and they but we do the same thing up here, but just with different products. Exactly. I don't know anybody that day-to-day that goes out after work and, and goes uh, getting mud bugs, getting... No, they go deer hunting and they cut the backstrap out of it and they cook the backstrap that night. That's right. So that's right there is what we got to do. We got to be proud of what we actually have here. We have peaches. Mm -hmm. We have peach trees. We have strawberry fields. We have blueberry fields. Mm -hmm. We have pecans just falling out in the street. You know, know, we have it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we need to be proud of what we have. We need to start pushing that. We need to start eating it and being proud and cooking it all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. Not just the way Chef Hardet says or the way, you know, someone else says mm-hmm. to do it. Hot water cornbread is hot water cornbread, however you cook it. You know, there's maybe a certain way I do it and that I've taught people to do it. But uh, as long as we're cooking and eating, if I go on a, you know, vacation to the south of France and we stop for lunch, I don't want chicken tenders and honey mustard dressing. <laughs> I want whatever they eat exactly. in exactly. that village. And yeah. So that's basically, it's like... Um, you know, you're playing with your to- your favorite toy, and then company comes. You throw that toy in the back, you know, in the back room, and then take out the shiny new. Oh toy. yeah, you want to show off all your fancy stuff. That's what we do. Yeah, we and we've done that for a long time, That's and we, we and there's you and I. I think you and I talked about the fact that maybe maybe the country food, which is delicious, was shunned at some point by people who could afford fancier food or more European influenced food or people who traveled a lot to South Louisiana so they said well this is where the good mm-hmm. food is and that's what the po folks eat so we don't want to we don't really want to elevate that it's the truth because sometimes when people are talking to me they launch into you know we were poor growing up and this is the kind of food we eat and don't they, equate this with poor food. I know but everybody misses it they just th- yeah they just think this is poor food because I think it was free. Oh, yeah. 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 It, you it didn't was, go to a restaurant and get a sliced tomato. It was free food. Right. Yeah. So everybody had a garden. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have one now. Mm-hmm. And so we need to utilize it yeah. and, and, and cook the food that we have. We need to make it, you know, everybody should know how to make, not everybody, but people should know how to make fried green tomatoes or at least know what they are. There are mm-hmm. people from here that don't know what that mm-hmm. is. And I think another thing that we won't even have need to go into is have time to go into is uh, our youth the young people that we're losing our our food we're losing our ways of cooking and our food ways and traditional styles mm-hmm. of cooking and and if we don't start teaching and being proud of it you have people in in south louisiana you know people in their 19 18 19 20 they know how to make pots of gumbo oh yeah 
And so we need to have our youth here know how to do that as well. Or fry fish, you know, have mm-hmm. a fish fry for 50 Te- people. Teaching, teaching the young people, and especially in, in uh, southwest Louisiana, teaching the young people mm-hmm. how to cook a hog, how to make a gumbo. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that falls on the, the menfolk down there too, but they make it a point to teach the, the boys how to cook. Yeah. And they're supposed to be there to learn how to cook the hog. If and they're how to outside make the, with yeah. them, they're, they're showing them mm-hmm. how to do what they do outside. Yeah. If the, if the, if they're inside with them, whether it's a girl or boy, yeah. they're teaching them how to cook what's in, uh, inside. Yeah, that's, that's an important part, though, for, it is, for a lot it of will those. lose it. Mm-hmm. We'll lose it if we don't. Um, you know, and maybe that's the thing with Cajun culture. Maybe they, maybe because of their history, it was very important to them to preserve the culture. I agree. And they're still preserving that culture, whether it's Cajun French or whether it's, uh, you know, the rice harvest or mm-hmm. or, or their uh, their own brand of Mardi Gras that they do down in... Right, uh, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe cultural preservation was more important to a people that, you know, had to be sent somewhere else. Could be. And, and that's one of the things I'm so proud of about the fish and meal that I wrote because it's, it's, it's official. It is the official meal of North Louisiana. There's only two official meals in the entire country, and this is one. So it is. Tell us about it. It is in it. It's it's a list of items that I wrote and gave to my state representative Gene Reynolds, and they voted on it during the legis- 2015 legislative mm-hmm. session, and it became House Concurrent Resolution Number 88, the official meal of North Louisiana. Only two states have an official state meal, and you think you, you think an official state meal is something that all states might have. It sounds like something that you know they I, would have. I don't want the Utah official the Utah <laughs> official state meal. You know, I, you think you know? They, 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 you know states would have this, but only what? Oklahoma has one. Okay, what's and, theirs? And you know? there's some. I think there's some chicken fried steak and chili or something okay. on it. I, don't, I can't really remember. So tell us, tell us what ours is. And then ours, the one that I wrote, um, ours. The category, it starts with the um, mini Natchitoches meat pies, the appetizer, because it's already our official, official meat pie. And then we go into kind of the main dishes of uh, fried chicken, barbecue, baked ham, uh, fried catfish, and then our greens, mustard and turnip greens, cabbage, turnips, and then our peas and beans, like pinto beans, uh, butter beans, uh, purple hole, black eyed peas, and then our side dishes, potato salad, rice and gravies, baked sweet potatoes, and then we go into our um, our breads, like our cornbread, hot water cornbread, our biscuits, and then our condiments and salads, like hot water, I mean, um, um, mayha jelly, hot sauce, pepper sauce, um, tomato cucumber salad as a relish that you eat with your greens. Some people don't understand what that is, and I really need to do a video or something because people think it's just a side salad. And it really goes... And in my in my culinary experiences that I do, I do show people how to put all that on the fork together to get that experience. But then we have our desserts, peach cobbler, pound cake, uh, pecan pie, and then sweet tea. Okay. And so us up north, we don't have unsweetened tea. I'm sorry. I, I do care about the unsweetened tea people. I do. But what I cook there comes from the official meal. And so the point I'm making is that I'm, I'm glad that we have that. So at some point after I'm dead and gone, if somebody ever wants to teach it or bring it up or write on it, we have that to document mm-hmm. our food. Even if we never start cooking it or we don't really ever get proud of it, we do have it documented that this is what we eat in this area and we are different from South Louisiana. 
and we just don't need to be put all in one lump because if you come up here, we aren't making po' boys every day on every corner. We aren't um, making beignets everywhere. That's just not who we are. We have our own food ways and styles of cooking. Of, of, of cooking. So, and we just need to be proud of it. And if we don't, if we aren't, it's, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. Well, thank you for doing the official meal of Louisiana. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. So you moved to the big city. You went to culinary school. You 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 stayed down in the big city and moved to another big city. And uh, like so many folks, uh, you came back to Shreveport. Family called you home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, what, why should people move here? If they, I mean, obviously you have a family obligation that brought you back mm-hmm. here, but you've been here for years and you're, you you seem to be making quite a name for yourself. Um why, if you don't have family obligations, or you know, why come back to Shreveport, Louisiana, or why move here to begin with? First of all, um, there's nothing like living in the South, and there's nothing like living in the true South, because is Texas South? You could say Texas. No. Is, some people could say that's in the South. Is Florida in the South? I, no. So <laughs> well, the Panhandle, the Panhandle can be pretty southern. Right. But so, the, the majority of that state, I'm, I'm going, I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm saying most of Florida and most of Texas are not the South. Right. So, some people can say, but when people want to experience the true South, it's Louisiana, it's our, you know, it's Alabama, it's those places that are in the South mm-hmm. and Georgia. And I think Shreveport is just like the epitome of that. It, but it, it has that rural feeling that people like, that quiet, slow life, but it also has an even mixture of art, music, and I mean, like everything. We have a little bit of everything, not too much of it. Mm-hmm. Because some people don't, I love big city, I love mm-hmm. Houston, Yeah. but a lot of people can't do that NASCAR racing on the freeway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I liken it to NASCAR race because you have to drive fast. Not everybody's up for that whole life every day but I think you get just a drop of that here too you got enough of you know city life going on here you have major corporations you have concerts you have all kind we have a little bit of everything to satisfy you but you initially overall let me say that you overall you still know you're in the south mm-hmm. and it feels like the south it's it's hospitable um, it's close-knit and we have really good food you know food kind of rocks everything and people you know there's a such thing as foodies and oh, yeah. foodie travel and so we have that and so i think if you find a place that doesn't have good food your tourism is going to be flat and i think we are just you know we're heavy on the good food here we really are and i think we i mean really people are. come to louisiana expecting good food like you said earlier they people do. don't go to colorado they they travel there for the beauty and the scenery exactly. and the athleticism that or the or the athletic adventure outdoor mountain bike they exactly. don't you don't go to colorado and say man i'm going to eat my way through colorado they've got they've got great <laughs> restaurants right. there that's right but you don't think like that that's like, right and they've got great restaurants and and you know, all kinds of places. But mm-hmm. you go to see like New York City or Chicago or New Orleans or the state of Louisiana, you say, I'm going to eat my way through that place. That's right. And we have, and, and the good thing I like about it too, we have people like Chef Gabriel with uh, El, El Cabo, mm-hmm. and he's about to open another restaurant. Mm-hmm. His food is, he's not trying to be Louisiana anything. Yeah. His food is authentic South, uh, was it South Mexican, Yucatan type flavors. 
and he does them well and he does them authentically and that's why people pack in his restaurants see i think whatever you do you do it well here like we have greek restaurants mm -hmm. that do very good greek food absolutely and so we have everything here and it's done well and that's why i think whatever you choose to do as a restaurateur cook chef caterer whatever stick to it if you can barbecue barbecue well because that's what makes our city uh what it is you know we have the prize here the food prize startup prize music prize fashion prize all of that in one weekend it's just so much here and so i think a person looking and we have the air force base mm -hmm. i mean if somebody's looking to move here there's enough here to hold you if you're really looking for that medium small town medium you know medium city size type living we do we have you know you know big hospitals we have everything schools we have you know universities here so we're not lacking anything we yeah. certainly aren't lacking food you know i i agree with you there what um I think a few years ago it was pretty easy for me to stay on this like strict diet thing but I think since 2013 14 uh, the to me the food has gotten much better here in the I last so four or five with you years on that. I'm so with you on that I mean and uh, maybe some of that I think our culture like our identity has gotten a little more solidified I mean I like the that that Rhino opened that that great raft opened uh, key you mentioned El Cabo Verde um, there's a handful of other restaurants that, to me, have really elevated our, mm -hmm. our food around here. And Kallenberg's Food Prize and Golden Fork competitions, mm -hmm. all these farm-to-table dinners like mm -hmm. the one that you participate in with Evan. Mm -hmm. All these little things kind of add up to all you chefs are having to up your game a little bit. Right. And it's making my life even better. Exactly. And so I think another thing, it's just like with... Um, uh, Orlando's oh, uh, with Chef so Chapman good. out there. Yeah, I mean, their family with the Freeman and Harris uh, restaurants, that's part of Louisiana, Shreveport history. I mean, stuffed shrimp, that's part of what we own. That's ours here in Shreveport, mm -hmm. you know, that. And for him to open back up and to offer that entire experience again, I mean, that's game changing. Yep. I mean, so that's one of the reasons why people should come here. Mm -hmm. I mean, between his see that's creole food that he's doing i guess it's cajun creole food type north louisiana food that he's mm -hmm. doing there and then you have the food that i'm doing and then you have people like gabriel and then you have all these other restaurants yeah. here that make up i mean there's so many here that i don't even know exist like with chef will over at port i think it's porterhouse and i mean just all these places um what's it port city grill out there i haven't even been there yet it, there's just so much to offer here and like you said when I first came back that wasn't going on it yeah. wasn't it was people I talked to some cooks when I first got back and they were not happy about it a lot of people were leaving because mm -hmm. I don't think the food was their talent and creativity wasn't wasn't well received mm -hmm. and so now I think people are more receptive to the differences it doesn't yeah. all have to be Cajun Creole yeah. it doesn't all have to be with a whole bunch of cayenne pepper on it it doesn't you know it doesn't have to all be deep fried with a bunch of dipping sauce on the yeah. side so um i just think the recognition of the differences in the melting pot that we have here okay. is, is being appreciated there's so, also like your restaurant for orlando's it, like you go in there there's white folks and black folks all eating in the same restaurant all eating the same food all enjoying each other's company which is what i think has actually gone on here and <laughs> but there's a group of people that want to pretend like that's not the way it is but i think it really is like 
real food when you when you put that food together mm-hmm. that that everybody goes back to being the same and like, we and we hope that that's what they're doing at everybody's restaurant you know, right that's what we hope for and you know I, I think a lot of times uh, some restaurants don't market to everybody and I, I understand sometimes they look they're looking at the bottom line they don't think this group is going to patronize their restaurant people are looking for good food they're looking at you they're looking for a good plate of food, and they'll come if your food is good and your service is good. But you've gotta, you've gotta make it. You gotta make yourself known, and you gotta be true to what you're cooking. Quit trying to be what you think the people are gonna want. Cook what you cook, and they'll come if it's good. If it's consistently good, you know they want to know that if I'm going to a Lebanese restaurant, I want to eat Lebanese food. One of the reasons I really love El Mono, the Peruvian restaurant, they're one of my favorite restaurants here because they cook Peruvian food and they cook it well. There's a, they have this hot sauce that I get over there. It's really, really, really hot. And I don't want it to be kind of hot. I want it to be <laughs> hot like you said it was going to be, you know. And so I think that when if I tell somebody, you know, you need to go to El Mono, they go no matter what race they are. They go because I said it was good and they believe. And when they went, it was good. You, know, you can't let people down and people have bad days but i think you just need to be true to what you're serving what do what what can shreveport do better not just to help your business but to um <clears throat> just to help increase either tourism or um bringing more folks to downtown shreveport so maybe they come out i mean you're two blocks away from downtown mm-hmm. shreveport in allendale where you are and so you're open wednesday thursday friday at lunchtime yeah. mm-hmm. And I've had, I think I might have had some meatloaf over there. I know I've had some smothered pork chops. I've had the greens. I've had some cornbread, mm-hmm. rice and gravy. I've had all kinds of, but just, I've only eaten there twice. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I eat everything on the plate. <laughs> yeah, it's but, good. you know, what can Shreveport as a town do better to have more people experience uh, what you're doing over there at Us Up North? One of the things, you know, I've gotten these, I'm just so surprised because I've, I've never planned to have a restaurant. So all of this is just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part, too. And that's reviews, um, Google reviews. I've gotten like these five-star reviews and these great comments. And one of the things is the, the, um, the customer service. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of comments on the customer service. I just think it's natural for me to be friendly to mm-hmm. everybody because mm-hmm. that's just my personality. My mom said she almost changed my name to Happy Harris when I was little because <laughs> I was always happy. But I understand that's not everybody's personality. But I think we can we can welcome people into our businesses better. Okay. We can be glad that you came and make sure the people that are serving them, the people in the parking lot, part, whatever it is you got going, make sure you know that we're happy you came. And it's the same thing as the entire city. When you have new people coming, if they're coming to go to school here or if they just move with their family and you run into them at Great Raft or out at a bar somewhere, be nice to them. You know, smile at them. You know, because sometimes your boots on the ground can run people off from mm-hmm. a city. It's not necessarily that you have a bad city, but your welcoming committee. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean your tourism department. I mean, just your, your folks. I mean, this is a message to everybody. Just be friendly and be nice to the people that are coming here. If you don't know them, somebody you're sitting next to in, in a restaurant. Because at us up north, I have long tables where you have to sit next to strangers. Now, that kind of didn't immediately start out intentional. Mm-hmm. Because I started to do away with those and just get the four top type tables. 
But I said, no, I want strangers to sit next to each other and across from each other. And I think that has worked, and I've had people to comment on that. Mm -hmm. And they said, I met my new friend here today, you know, and they'll come back for lunch with this person that they met there. And like I said, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do that, but I think that's one of the things Shreveport can do is to let people know we're happy. I'm happy to be sitting next to you. Yeah, and I think that that comment of, hey, you know, people come in from out of town and, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm sorry you had to come to Shreveport. That, that kind of stuff. Be, you know, <laughs> exactly. you've heard that before. Of course. And, and, that, and it's can... a terrible way to welcome somebody to, to, to admit to them that you're not proud of your hometown by saying exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's unique. Everybody has something to offer. Sp- spend a little time, get to know them. They're not going to be perfect because what is perfect? We don't. What is the definition of that? So what is they're not going to be just like you. They're not going to have the same interest. I look at the, the prize fest and I say, you know, for Gregory Kallenberg to have an, a unique idea like that and to believe it could grow and work like that, mm-hmm. and it did, think about the person that's making candles or that wants to open a car wash mm-hmm. or that wants to open a tire shop or what a braid, you know, their hair braiding shop, whatever it is they're doing. If you believe in your product or whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. and you grind hard enough, it can grow. Yep. It can grow. And our Shreveport has trillions of opportunities like that. It really can. And I really and truly see um, Shreveport being the next. I-, I do believe this will happen. The next Memphis, the next Nashville, I see it. I mean, we're right behind that now. And I think we'll just end up being that really soon. Well, I, I hope you're right. I, I think you might be on to something. If you could send a uh, text message out to everybody in Shreveport, what would it be? Any, any message? Any message. Everybody's going to get it, though. 300 North Allen. You should come have Catfish Friday. Okay. Two pieces or one piece? Two and pieces comes with... Fries uh, and a side dish. Sweet right. tea, sweet, sweet tea. And uh, Chef Harris and her crew. Yeah, and the customer service is and fantastic. smothered chicken. Oh, you got smothered chicken on Friday too. I have smothered chicken on Fridays if you don't want fried catfish. But I thought you were—I thought you weren't doing a, kind of a set daily menu. Are you? Well, people are expecting it now. Like, okay. I wasn't. Wednesdays the, is meatloaf unless Sam's is out of meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when, but but I gotta go find it somewhere. <laughs> Uh, well, see, I didn't do, I did dumplings one Friday with yeah. catfish, and yeah. we did good on it. But a lady came in, and, and then another, it happened another time, and people were looking, because I have these menus that say that. Yeah. And they're like, well. <laughs> I mean, like, they're disappointed. Every restaurant owner in Shreveport's had to deal with that. So, you know, ask, what I mean? ask Jason Brady what happened when serious? they took the shrimp tacos off the wine country menu back in the day. He got, like, hate mail. See, and so when my ladies there, when they're cooking, cutting the cornbread, and they have these little, the little edges left, and they said, "What do you want us to do with this?" I said, "Put it in a Ziploc bag because if we run out, somebody's gonna fall out on the floor crying, and we can at least say I have these pieces of cornbread there left." Because I did happen with purple whole peas one time. A lady was just, just like she was about to die, and I said, "I'll try to strain through the juice and get you some," but you know, so. Yeah, you kind of gotta you gotta be consistent. Yeah, people in Treeport like they extent. like what they like. Ask uh, ask Chef Anthony Falan about Brussels sprouts. See, and I just keep ask thinking, him. <laughs> I, see, as the cook, I'm thinking, aren't y'all tired of this? Uh-uh. But that's not how it works on the other side. You get known for something, they want it. They you. do. Yeah, they know. 
they they like, know Wednesday I'm coming for meatloaf and if I drive over here for it because I feel the same way yeah, I don't know I if that's somewhere. a Shreveport thing I mean I bet that doesn't happen in like San Antonio or something it does because let me tell you it's Chef Joe Randall who is a legend in um, Charleston Savannah okay and I talked to him he's like my mentor and um, he told me a long time ago before I even started this he said if he said be consistent he yeah. said because if you didn't consistent if you don't have what they came to, you know, what they're coming for, they're going to talk about you and they're going to be mad. Yep. So, yeah, people want what they want. So. Okay. Well, but, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to let folks know about? Any Anything, any event coming up that you're cooking for or any uh, just come to us up north on Allen Street? Yeah, just come to us up north. Follow me and be patient with me because I am a one-woman show. One of the reasons it's difficult for me to uh, kind of really do a lot. And I don't want to do a lot there at that restaurant. I don't want to have a big menu. Um, but I, I cook all the food myself. Mm -hmm. The ladies that help me, they do a little prep and um, they help me serve. But I cook all the food. And the fact that I cook all the food, it's just me. And so I want to fill those freezers up. I've been saying it. I did a little bit before I opened because I could keep up with it. But I want to sell my side dishes, like my greens and peas that are frozen. And though when I have them, they move. They People really want that. And also and I want to cook food where people can come. If they miss lunch, they can come in the evening after work and grab something mm -hmm. to take home. Um, and for those folks who don't know, this is the old Fuller grocery store. Yes. And they, there's there's freezers and refrigerators that kind of line the walls right. of the dining space. Right. Free, where yeah. I can keep frozen greens. They're already cooked. And you can take them home, thaw them out, and cook them. And they're just like my greens that you would have had in there. Um, if you missed maybe the smothered pork chops, you can come and get a couple of pork chops and have them that night. Or some baked chicken. Um, or some squash or whatever it was that you missed. And then I'm going to start cooking enough where I actually for that purpose, you know, it's not just what we have left. It's going to be for people that want to come pick up meals. So I really want to get that going really, really fast. I made some pepper sauce this week. Uh, I know what people know what that a jar of pepper mm -hmm. sauce with peppers and jalapenos and vinegar. And uh, I kept them in my office, I said, because I, I got to get a label on it and I want to <laughs> have enough for everybody. So I, I have a lot planned for that space. Um, and I think it's a really good space. I want to do some special days, like a, a day for Allendale people mm -hmm. that uh, and do a discount for them. I want to do a discount for first responders. Um, there's a lot I want to do. How can people follow you and find out what you're up to? So uh, I post on my social media pages. Um, hashtag us up north can get you where, wherever I am. But my website is usupnorth.com. That's mm -hmm. U.S. U-P-N-O-R-T-H Us Up North and on Facebook it's um, my page is under Pure Louisiana Soul that's Pure P-U-R-E Louisiana Soul um, so if you just search that out you can get to my page and uh, Chef H-D-H on Instagram Chef H-D-H on Instagram, on Instagram. Uh, and, and Twitter well, well you're on all the platforms yeah Chef H-D-H Harris I think on Twitter yeah okay yeah well, we'll um, send me all that stuff, and I'll make sure I it will. gets on the website, and we'll uh, we'll put this out on Facebook. And I think we're three weeks back at this point. I think we have enough okay. episodes. This will be released in probably late October. Okay. Oh, and also I write for Louisiana Kitchen and Culture. I do a Us Up North. I mean, I do an Up North column in Louisiana Kitchen and Culture. I do a recipe page for Lola Magazine, and I have a 
piece um, in the upcoming issue of Louisiana Cooking Magazine. Wow. Four-page spread. And you were also in 64 Parishes recently. 64 Parishes on stands now. It was the September, I think September-October issue. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming in on Monday night. Oh, you're welcome. And I know you had some other stuff you had to do. This. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go eat some steaks. uh, Ooh, I'm a steak snob. All right.